bodily noise. I can't help that, really. Hey, everybody, come on in here. You know what time it is. Yeah, you do. You don't even have to look at the clock. Because you know your body is already telling you. Your mind, your soul, it's all the same message. That it's time for Coffee with Scott Adams, the best part of the day. Now, I want to manage your expectations today. In all likelihood, this will be the worst, the worst Coffee with Scott Adams of all time. It could be. Now, I'm just managing your expectations. So if, if I clear that bar, well, yeah, that's a bonus. But it could be the worst one ever. Well, I hear in the news that there's an uh, increase in shark attacks. That's right. You thought the COVID was going to get you? No. You thought the climate change was going to get you? No. It's going to be sharks. Sharks with freaking lasers on their heads. I'm just saying that before you put it in the comments. Because I know you will. I know you so well. Somebody's going to say freaking lasers on their head. Somebody's going to do it. But you don't have to now, because I did it for you. All right, how many of you would like to enjoy a thing called the simultaneous sipia? That's right, all of you. And if you would like to enjoy it to its maximum extent, like way better than average is what we're talking about here, all you need is a copper mugger glass, a tanker chalice, a stein, a canteen, jug, a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I got some coffee right here. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure the dopamine hit of the day. The thing that makes everything except shark attacks better. It's called the simultaneous sip, and watch it happen right now. Go. <sighs> yeah, you would think that it would be harder for the, mas- for the uh, sharks to attack because they got to bite through the little masks first. I, I assume they're wearing masks. Uh, I'm in... Uh, Santorini, Greece right now, for anybody who didn't know it. And there's a statue here uh, wearing a surgical mask. <laughs> some some wag climbed over a, a fence and got to the uh, place you're not supposed to get to and put a, <laughs> put a surgical mask on one of the pieces of art here. Pretty funny. All right, well... Um, I just tweeted out this morning, or retweeted, there's a, uh, a little bit in Mashable. Uh, so Mashable is something you should follow. It's a, it's a Twitter account and, I guess, uh, a website, magazine site, whatever it is. But they, they have uh, items on all the new cool technology, the stuff that you don't see in the regular news. And there is a mind-blowing story. <laughs> Every once in a while, you'll see a story and you'll say, What? Here's one. Apparently, they have now developed an artificial arm and hand you know, that's fully articulated that can be controlled by a person's mind while that person is using their normal hands to do a task at the same time. So in other words, they've got this test. Now, apparently, every person can't do it, but some number of people can repeat this experiment. So they'll give them a task where they're doing something with their two normal hands, and then they'll just simply, I think, I think they just have to want, just think about it, just sort of want the mechanical arm, which has some sensors attached, obviously, 
to your externally to your brain, just want it to reach over and, and pick up a bottle and hold it. And, and a number of the people can actually work with two, their two normal hands and have the mechanical hand come over and pick up their uh, drink and, and give it to them while they're still working with their other two hands. Are you freaked out by that? You should be. Have you ever uh, known anybody who lost, um, let's say they had a stroke or something, and they lost control of their any part of their body? The process to get back control of, let's say, an arm or a leg, uh, to get your brain to control it again once that connection has been lost, is so creepy. Because all you have to do is want it, <laughs> basically. Now, there are some tricks. One of the tricks is... Uh, have you ever heard of this? The, uh, the what do they call it? It's like a there's a, a mirrored box where you take your hand that works properly and put it in there versus it so it looks like your other hand. So if your right hand is good, but your left hand needs rehabilitation because your brain is not connected to it, you put your both hands under the thing, and your brain will think that it's controlling your other hand because the mirror has reversed them and then your brain connects to the hand that wasn't working, and then you can use it. Does that just freak you out? Your brain is so elastic, it can just want to control an arm, either your own arm that lost the connection through a stroke, or even a freaking mechanical arm, a robot arm. And the part that you have to do is visualize it. See where I'm going with this? You just have to visualize it, and your frickin' brain and body do it. Now, the, the mirrored box trick is an aid to visualization, basically. It just it gives you, you know, if you can't imagine it, you just see it. So you don't have to imagine it, you're seeing it, but you're not seeing something real. I'll tell you, if you don't think you can change a whole bunch of stuff about your brain... You know, my experience as, for if there's even one person who doesn't know this by now, I'm a trained hypnotist. And once you learn how elastic and how programmable the brain and the body are, it changes everything about your perception of just what's possible, why things work the way they do, why people become what they become, all that stuff. You just, your brain opens up and you stop thinking, oh, it's free will. And it's just some kind of you know mechanical process. But somebody says psilocybin helps. It certainly does. So Glenn Greenwald is doing his usual tremendous work for the public. You know, there there's some people in the what world would you say, journalist journalism world, I guess. Um, that you know, of course everybody works for money, so there's nobody who isn't doing it at least partially because it's a job, but I feel like there are some people who are just taking it to another level. They're actually trying to help the world, and uh, I think Greenwald is one of those. Uh, and here's his, uh, his edition today. So you've, you know the story of uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, famously, and a Revolver publication, I've been talking about the fact that, and Revolver, I think, is the initiator of this idea, that the FBI had penetrated and had assets in a number of different organizations, and there's some thought that maybe, maybe, or at least this is the conspiracy theory part 
unproven, that maybe the FBI is causing the terrorism. In other words, somebody is just trying to is trying to push an organization a little farther than it might have pushed itself. And that's that, I would say there's no no proof of that. But there are some questions that are unanswered that sort of give you the feeling, sort of a suggestion like, maybe you better look into this a little more. <laughs> so one of the things that uh, Greenwald is cor- correcting, I saw in his writing today on Substack, and by the way, you should follow him, follow him on Substack. That would be the, the most useful thing you could do, as well as Twitter. Um, he said that when Tucker and the Revolver guy were, were noting that, um, and by the way, could somebody please, in the comments, uh, help me, because I keep talking about the story without doing the minimal amount of Googling to find out the name of the revolver guy. One of you must know it. Just put it in the comments, and I'll, I'll say it out. Is it oh, Darren Beatty? Is that the name? Okay, thank you. Well, that didn't take long. So Darren Beatty. So first of all, I apologize to Darren Beatty. Because I shouldn't be telling a story without leaving, you know, without mentioning his name, since basically he's the originator of the story. Uh, so, my apologies. So, um, one of the odd things is that there are people um, who are unindicted co-conspirators about the January six uh, protest slash whatever you want to call it at the Capitol, and the thinking is that that might be a, a tell that it's the, um, the infiltrating FBI agents that are the ones that are unindicted because you wouldn't want to name them and you wouldn't want to indict them because they're, you know, they're undercover. But uh, apparently the people who are smarter than I am, quite a few of them, certainly when it comes to the law, say that you wouldn't do that, that that's not, that's not telling you anything. I think Glenn Greenwald was making that point. And if I understood the reason... And I think I don't. The reason was that you wouldn't consider the FBI assets as unindicted co-conspirators because they wouldn't be co-conspirators. They would be FBI agents. <laughs> and I said to myself, okay, like I, I, get, I get the technical accuracy of that, that they would not actually be co-conspirators. They would be undercover agents. But if you wanted to keep them undercover, wouldn't you treat them like they were real people? And so I'm not entirely sure uh, that... that I, so there's still some gray area in the story, is all I'm saying. Not being a lawyer, I'm not quite buying the story that you wouldn't treat them the way you would treat a real person who is in the organization if you wanted them to stay undercover. Um, Stephen Miller on Twitter uh, had a really good catch here. CNN had a story. So here's a story as it's uh, tweeted by CNN and then it's on their website. Quote, within days, China will reach a staggering 1 billion doses in its COVID-19 vaccination drive, a scale and speed unrivaled by any other country in the world. And it's an analysis by um, Nick. Dan and Laurie Louis, if I pronounce that anywhere close. Stephen Miller points out that both of these analysts who are saying that China is just doing amazing, amazing, 
China's great. And the two people who wrote this article live in um, Hong Kong. So it's just it's just Chinese propaganda, <laughs> and it's running on it's running on CNN like it's an analysis. Now, maybe the data is correct. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Can we trust China's data? I doubt it. Um, but I think it's probably safe to say they got a lot of vaccinations done. But if you didn't know, now if, in other words, if Stephen Miller hadn't done the work for you, would you have known that that wasn't real news? That it was just propaganda from China? Would you have known? I don't know if I would have known that without you know, a little boost by somebody who knew it more than I do, Stephen Miller. So that's pretty scary, isn't it? How easily pure propaganda can be reformatted as news, you wouldn't know the difference. It would look just like it. So can somebody give me a little uh, fact check on this? There's, oh God, do I get kicked off of social media if I say this wrong? So this is not a fact I'm about to state. This is a conspiracy theory. Let's call it that. So what I'm about to say has no known factual basis as far as I know. But did you see a story that said that somebody in China got a patent on a, a corona, the, the COVID-19 vaccination long before uh, we all knew about it? And that there, there was actually a patent there that would suggest that they knew things way before they told us? Um, <laughs> thanks, Mark. <clears throat> so Mark bought The Way of the Weasel book, one, one of my books, uh, for his dad. I have to tell you, though, I, I hate to ruin your gift, that is my worst book. <laughs> no lie, it's my worst book. Now, if you like it, that'd be great. Now, let me tell you why it's my worst book. It's not because the writing was subpar, not because it was less funny. It's because the, the theme of the book is that everybody is a weasel. And it turns out that people will really buy books if you say, my boss is an idiot, but I'm pretty smart. People will buy the hell out of that book because it makes them feel good. They're like, oh, I'm smarter than my boss. I'll take that framework. And I'll apply that. I'll buy that. I'll give this as a gift. I'm so much smarter than my boss. But as soon as you say, well, your boss is a weasel. Yeah, we all know that. But you're a bit of a weasel yourself. You know, if you're, if you're being honest, we're all a little weaselly sometimes. So that was the theme that I thought I could make a book out of. It turns out that people don't want to buy a book that says they're weasels. <laughs> Which is funny because... It's so obvious after the fact. Somehow I went all the way through the publishing process because I think it was at sort of the, the height of my publishing power at that point because my books had been doing well. <laughs> but I wish my publisher had talked me out of that one because <laughs> it, in retrospect, it's just such a mistake. Um, but, like I said, the writing, and, the writing and the jokes are just as good as anything. If you want to give them the best book I've ever read or ever written... Um, I would give him How to Fail Almost Everything and Still Win Big, or Win Bigly, or Loser Think. Those would be the three for Father's Day. 
So if anybody's going to do a Father's Day gift, those would be the three books that would work for your, for your father. All right, you all know the Yanni and Laurel thing, right? You know there's the audio illusion. Some people hear uh, Yanni, some people hear Laurel. Well, there's a new one that is just mind-boggling because I, I, I didn't count them, but I think there are nine different things you can hear just by looking at the word in print while you're listening to it. And I could hear, f- I think, five of the nine clear as day as long as I was looking at the, the words that said that. It said, they would say exactly that, and then I would go down the list, and a whole different sentence I could hear it perfectly. And then there'd be one that just didn't change anything, like I couldn't hear it at all. But five out of nine completely different sentences I can hear clear as day when I'm prompted for it. And they're, and they're, they're different. Uh, the link would be on my Twitter feed, so just go to Scott Adams Says, and it, I tweeted it today, so you'll, you'll see it in the top, I don't know, top 20 tweets. You'll find it pretty quickly. So you have to look at that. It's, it's mind-blowing. It really is. Joel Pollack pointed out that uh, Juneteenth as a holiday, which we're getting under a Democrat um, administration, turns out that uh, Trump had suggested making that a holiday. It was part of his uh, proposed uh, platinum plan for black Americans. You know, he had a larger set of plans, and part of the plans were making Juneteenth a national holiday. So once again, Joe Biden, as Joel pointed out, Joe Biden uh, is following the lead of Trump. (laughs) And how many times is this going to happen? The the list is starting to grow, right? So there are two things that seem to be happening. Either Biden does pretty much what Trump did, and everybody says it's a good idea, or he goes the other direction, such as in the border, and everybody says it's a disaster. He's really trapped, isn't he? And remember, I you know, had predicted this, that Biden would end up doing, or whoever was the next president, no matter who won, the, uh, who won in the last election, whenever Trump is done, people are going to be copying him. His worst critics are going to copy him because it works. There's just a whole bunch of stuff that Trump does that is the right decision, and it works. <laughs> so uh, I, I've said it before, and every, every time we get a new piece of information like this, I say it again. Trump's administration, whether it ends up being two or, or, or the initial four years, is going to look like one of the best um, administrations of all time. And, but it's going to take a while for people to realize that. <laughs> Did you hear that... Uh, Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool Sports, pretty, you know, a fairly enormous site online, has a big impact. He got, uh, he's back on now, he's, he's been reinstated, but he was uh, suspended by Twitter. Now, a lot of people get suspended by Twitter, so that alone is not a big story, right? But here's the big story. Doesn't know why. Doesn't know why. He's guessing it's some kind of a, a mean tweet he did about dropping his nuts on somebody's head. But I feel like I've said much worse than that. 
Have you ever seen my Twitter feed? <laughs> I don't think I'm always polite. But it could be that uh, as soon as you add uh, a kinetic element to it, maybe that's the, the line. Because dropping your nuts on somebody's head would be a violent attack, right? I mean, it would be, at the very least, a, a sexually abusive attack. So even though it's obvious that it wasn't meant as an actual physical threat, maybe that's just a line that <laughs> Twitter says. If it's kinetic, in other words, if you say something is going to move, like your nuts being on a head, doesn't matter if it's you know a weapon, putting your, putting your nuts on somebody's head is kinetic, maybe that's the difference versus, versus just saying somebody is ugly or dumb or something that doesn't seem to get you banned. So we're, we're kind of reading the tea leaves here and trying to figure out uh, what gets people banned, and that's my latest guess. There's a kinetic portion of that. Or, again, because we're, we're guessing, it could be scrotum-related. Remember, I was surprised to find out that YouTube, specifically mectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine, as two things you can't mention in a positive sense. I was surprised that their terms of service are specific about those two things. Don't do that. But it could be. I haven't read Twitter's terms of service. They might have something in there about scrotums. It's like, well, you can talk about a scrotum. You can say you have one. You can say you shave it, but you can't get it anywhere near somebody's head. If, if you suggest that a scrotum should be in the same general neighborhood of a head, and I don't know what the right distance is, because <clears throat> that, that matters, right? Like, um, well, let me take, let's imagine that these uh, earbuds or whatever the fuck these are called, imagine this was a scrotum, all right? So work with me here and see if we can come up with a reasonable standard. Acceptable or not acceptable? I would say not acceptable, right? If somebody's scrotum is on your forehead, you'd be like, that's, that's not cool. Could you please move your scrotum away from my forehead? So I think everybody would agree on this one, right? <clears throat> this one? Uncool. Totally uncool. If somebody's scrotum is any, anywhere in your nose or mouth area, that's not cool, right? So you should get banned for that. But what about what about this? But what about you know? Let's say there's like a foot of distance between a scrotum and your head. Now is that an assault? Well, suppose you quickly turned and walked in that direction. Say, you're right back to the bad situation because people do that. They'll just turn and quickly. Oh. And next thing you know, you get a scrotum right near like muzzle situation, and that's not good. So I would think the minimum scrotum to skull distance would be somewhere in the at least a yard, maybe a yard or two would be minimum. But I think this is exactly the sort of thing that um, should be written specifically in the terms of service, because I make a lot of scrotum comments. I mean, if you if you did a search for all the times I've mentioned a scrotum on Twitter, 25, 20, 30 times, I don't know. It's just scrotum this, scrotum that. So we need a little more clarity on that situation. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. 
<clears throat> big surprise in Iran. They had a uh, election for president, and I know you didn't see this coming, but uh, looks like they elected an ultra conservative. Did not see that coming. Now it turns out that only ultra conservatives were allowed to run, so that probably increased the chances that one of them would win. But uh, good work, Iran, in pretending to have something like a democracy. Um, did you- did you hear about Bill Maher ripping into uh, Lynn manuel Miranda? Now, you know him from stage plays, uh, from Hamilton in specific, specifically, but he's got some other new kind of play now called In the Heights, and apparently he didn't add enough diversity. So Lynn manuel Miranda uh, got a little uh, pushback and he, for not having enough diversity, and here's his apology. Uh, that Bill Maher ripped into. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But I want to read his apology because remember I told you that these apologies for getting uh, canceled or almost canceled are now bird the line between parody and reality. <laughs> Matt says, it's fine if he said, I'd like her head to move rapidly upwards toward my stationary scrotum. But the scrotum itself can't be kinetic. <laughs> that's a good upgrade. Yeah, I, I feel that's right. You you can't have you can't have the scrotum moving toward the head, but if the head is moving toward the scrotum, it's more of a voluntary situation. So that's probably okay. Thank you for that upgrade. Uh, back to our main story. <laughs> so I'm going to read you Lin Manuel Miranda's apology. And here's what you have to determine. Is he kidding? Seriously. I'm going to read this, and you'll say to yourself, I'm not sure he's serious about this. But I can't wait till I get canceled, because you're going to see the apology of a lifetime when I do it, (laughs) and you know it's going to happen. So sooner or later, you're going to see the best fucking apology you've ever heard of. But let's see how (laughs) Lin-Manuel Miranda did now, can somebody do a fact check on me? He wrote Hamilton, right? Am I right? He's actually the author of the, the play Hamilton, and maybe in the Heights, I don't know. So remember, he's he's a skilled writer, okay? So he's not like, I believe, right? Well, I'm getting yeses here, right? So he's a very smart, talented, skilled writer. So let's see what the skilled writer said. Quote, I can hear the hurt and frustration over colorism. It's a red flag. Of feeling still unseen in the feedback he continued. I hear that without sufficient, without sufficient dark-skinned Afro-Latino representation, the work feels extractive of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. In trying to paint a mosaic of this community, we fell short. I'm truly sorry. I'm learning from the feedback. I thank you for raising it, and I'm listening. I promise to do better in my future projects. Here's what Bill Maher said. Bill Maher said, please stop apologizing. Please stop apologizing. You're the guy who made the founding fathers black and Hispanic, Mayor Bill Maher exclaimed during the show's panel discussion. Quote, I don't think that you have to apologize to Twitter, for fuck's sake. This is why people hate Democrats. It's cringy. (laughs) 
Well, it's cringy if it was serious. Well, was it? You know, do you, do you imagine that Lynn uh, Manuel Miranda sat down and he wrote that with like tears in his eyes and a solemn approach and, and deep regret for the hurt that he has caused? Because he had, uh, he, has, he has a good history of inclusion for, uh, let's say, what, what, what's the word here? Um, for the Latino community and the African American community. But he's a little short on the Afro-Latino community. And if you're going to leave out that group, well, you, need, you have some work. You have some work to do, don't you? So, uh, <laughs> what do you think? Is he serious? In the comments, tell me. Do you think he was completely serious, Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he wrote that? Or do you think he was laughing when he wrote it and said, ah, this will take care of it? I can't tell. I honestly can't tell because I'm I'm sure that he's entirely um, entirely honest and well-meaning, and that he's been more successful than anybody I can think of in being inclusive of all people, uh, or apparently not all people, but being very inclusive. So I'm looking at your comments. Uh, seriously, sarcasm. Completely serious. It feels serious. Ooh. Dripping with sarcasm. Uh, somebody says he's doing both simultaneously. That's sort of where I'm at. That's sort of where I'm at. I do think it looked, he was trying to do something serious, but when you put in words like the work feels extractive of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's serious. Maybe, could be. I wouldn't, I mean, if, if he were here in the room and I could ask him and I, I knew that he would tell me the truth and he said it was serious, I'd believe him. I'd believe him if, it, you know, if I heard it from the source. But you can't tell just by reading it. It's like, well, maybe, maybe serious. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, apology accepted. <laughs> Somebody said it. All right, well, let me tell you. Um, I'm going to be uh, flying tomorrow, and uh, I believe I will be on the airplane during this time period. Um, so if you don't hear from me at this time tomorrow, there's a pretty good chance you'll hear from me the day after. But if you don't hear from me the day after, there's a very high chance you're going to hear from me the day after that, because it's going to take me two days to get home. So we're going to be flying a lot. What do I do on flights? Well, this last one I had a panic attack, so that wasn't cool. I think my first one. I don't. I don't have any uh, any history of that. Now the panic attack is not because I have fear of flying, which I don't. It, but masks, wearing a mask for eighteen hours is, to me, like oh, it's like torture, and so. Uh, sort of 18 hours of having somebody's scrotum on your forehead. Uh, it's uncomfortable, really, really uncomfortable. So I'll tell you the good and the bad. If you, if you fly well, uh, and you can fly with a mask for 18 hours uh, with a few breaks, go ahead and do it. Because Greece right now, let me give you a little commercial for at least Santorini in Greece. 
it's the best time to come. If you can get to Santorini, and you, in other words, if you can handle the tra- um, all the testing and the vaccinations and the travel problems and the masking, if you can handle the travel, getting here is the best freaking thing you've ever done in your life because it's not very busy. You know, it's keeping other people away. So fortunately for me, Christina is a, uh, a world traveler and you know she can do things that she can make things easier than than I could if I were doing it myself. All right, so definitely come here. The, I had the same. We had the same experience at Bora Bora during the pandemic when it was open briefly. If you can get away, the crowds are really sh- small, and everything's better. And wow, are the Greek people um, appreciative when they see Americans coming in? Very, very appreciative. You know, I've uh, I haven't traveled a ton, but you know how everybody always says, "Oh, the people are there are so nice." Hey, yellow airman, you're too nice. Thank you. You know how people always say wherever you go, it seems like, "Oh, the people there are so nice." The people there are so nice. The exception being Los Angeles. That's the only place I've been where you walk, you leave Los Angeles, and you think, "I don't think the people here were very nice at all." <laughs> but it's the only place. Um, however. You may have heard that the Greeks are unusually friendly. Let me tell you, the Greeks are unusually friendly. This is the warmest, friendliest place I've ever been. Nothing's even close, right? And I'm talking about just every interaction with every person here is a joy. And mostly the staff, you know, those are the people that were interacting with shop owners and restaurants and stuff like that. But the, the people who live and work here are freaking amazing. Like, you actually will feel like you feel like you make a friend every time you talk to somebody here. It's crazy. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. So for that alone, it's worth coming. <laughs> somebody says Chicago and Portland are pretty friendly. Well, okay. You know, and people say New York can be kind of hard-edged, but uh, I don't know if you would agree with this or disagree. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's because it's an island. I see your comment there. Um, but New Yorkers will maybe talk tough and you know, they've got a certain style, but a New Yorker will help you in a heartbeat, right? I'm talking about mostly Manhattan, but the New Yorkers are super helpful they just have a style about them. So even, even they're super nice. Yeah, Texas. Um, I'm being asked, did I get the vaccine? Yes. So I, I did get the full Moderna. Now, I told you before that um, I'm not suggesting that this has any uh, uh, truth to it, but my allergies have suspiciously gone away since I got the second shot after a lifetime of them not going away. Like my whole life. And then I got the second shot and suddenly my sinuses opened up. My sense of smell started coming back. I don't know if it's a coincidence. It makes me wonder if if there's like a little bit more virus in terms of uh, sinuses, because I've had sinuses infections forever. 
So I'm wondering if that's if it wasn't just an allergy thing. Maybe there was a sinus infection, and it just took it out at the same time. Now, I'm not suggesting that's true. So put this squarely in the dumb guy speculation, right? Don't, don't assume that this has any truth to it. But it's weird. It's weird. I mean, if we assume that people dying the day after the vaccination means something, which it doesn't, <laughs> because there's so many people getting the vaccination, you're guaranteed to have some people die right after they get it, because people die. So, uh, and, and you're also guaranteed that any kind of vaccination is going to have some real side effects. So people, some of them, really will die. Um, if we're in a simulation, there's, there's a question, let's see. If we're in a simulation, should we buy a lottery tickets? <laughs> Here's an affirmations um, thought experiment. What would happen if two people were doing affirmations to try to get the same job? And it's a job only one person could get, but there are two people doing affirmations to get the job. Could they change the, change the simulation um, effectively? Well, no, because only one person can get it. Thank you, David. Um, only one person can uh, get the job, so you know, it's not going to work for both of them. But what about an affirmation in which you're not competing with anybody? Because I think those are the ones that, if anything works, it would be those, right? So something like, uh, you will get wealthy. You're not really, that doesn't directly compete with somebody else because you can get wealthy in a variety of ways that don't take any money from anybody. It just creates more money. So I would stick to affirmations and, and visualizing what you want uh, in ways that are not taking something directly out of somebody else's pocket. Because if we're a simulation, you don't know how many people can... Um, manipulate it. Maybe not everybody, but you don't want to be competing against somebody who's also an author, author of the simulation in this case. So, to answer your question, buying a lottery ticket probably wouldn't work, because everybody who bought one is visualizing themselves winning, so you're competing against you know, a zillion people. It's probably the least likely thing to work, even if we're a simulation. Because it's not a simulation for your benefit, it would be a simulation in which presumably there are multiple entities. Um, do you want to be an NPC or a player? Exactly. And I'm just looking at your uh, comments. Is Trump aware of this? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see what that's about. Um, okay. All right, that's all I uh, have for today. And uh, I'll try, I might be able to uh, connect with you while I'm on the flight, just before it takes off. So I might come on just for the sip, but that depends if I'm on the flight in time, blah, blah. So forget about it. I may or may not be there. And uh, get a guest host for tomorrow. Who could possibly replace me? Who could possibly? do this, have a sip, talk about the news. It's very difficult. Yeah, actually, everybody could do it. (laughs) 
Uh, no sugar in my coffee, but thanks for asking. I take it, I take it black. The fan, yeah, the plane has Wi-Fi, but uh, I don't know if I'll actually be sitting down and be ready to do it in time. Um, Brian Stelter, Stelter. Yeah, he's in the news. Yeah, I saw the Joe Rogan uh, taking on Stelter. Uh, put Christina on tomorrow. You know, Christina uh, probably will not be guesting on here, but I would love it if she would. So that would be up to her. All right, that's all for now, and I will talk to you maybe tomorrow, but see you soon. <laughs>